Well, I remember the picture very clearly. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was probably uh, over 20 years ago when I was in high school. But I remember this picture so vividly. I was sitting in my uh, great-grandmother's trailer. Uh, we call her Granny. And Granny was about the kindest, <clears throat> most uh, lovely woman that you've ever met. Uh, if you were in trouble, if you needed help, uh, if you needed food, if you needed something to drink, if you just needed to talk, whether it was two in the afternoon or two o'clock in the morning, Granny was there for you. Even if you were on the run from the police, <laughs> Granny was there for you. A lovely person. And we liked staying at Granny's house. She told crazy off-the-wall stories. Uh, she was funny, and she would talk even faster and more as she got tired well into the early hours of the morning. <clears throat> but I remember this moment when she showed me this picture of her son, my great uncle, uh, standing next to a man that I kind of sort of recognized. And it's only because I was a history buff that I would have recognized this man. Uh, I loved everything about American history. I, I read it and I ate it up all through elementary school, middle school, high school, and on. And I could kind of recognize this man that my great uncle was standing next to. I wasn't 100% sure who it was. And then she told me. You see, my great uncle, when he was young, he got into a lot of trouble. And he got sent to what we would call juvenile detention center when he was a, a young teenager. And there, the governor of his state visited him and took a picture with him. The crazy thing about this governor is he was really good to some people. He was really passionate about lifting up uh, the working people and uh, helping the poor in his state. The problem was he was only interested in doing that for people who were white. You see, this was Governor George Wallace that my great uncle was standing next to, and this was in the 1960s when we were in the midst of the upheaval, the, the tensions, the violence of the civil rights movement. I was fascinated to find out that my granny helped campaign for George Wallace, a little bit appalled. <laughs> uh, but the thing was, uh, the white folk in Alabama perceived George Wallace to be for them, to be someone who would lift them up out of poverty, help them find meaningful employment, lower their taxes, things that they saw as very reasonable. But the other dark reality was they also agreed implicitly with him or explicitly with him on the issue of race. Now, here's the great irony about George Wallace. He was a well-educated man from Alabama who was a well-known lawyer and worked his way up in that field. When he ran for governor of Alabama in 1958, he actually lost in the Democratic primary to someone who was more vocally a white supremacist, someone backed by the Ku Klux Klan. George Wallace actually tried to run as a moderate candidate in that primary. He was endorsed by the NAACP. He was their choice. Knowing that a Democrat would win in Alabama in the South in the 1960s, they picked the least of all the evils and they thought that would be George Wallace. But you see, his lack of racial animosity in that campaign actually led him to lose in 1958. So when he came back in 1962 and ran again, he ran as probably the most vile, racist, white supremacist in the nation. 
lifting up, as he would say in his inauguration speech, uh, segregation yesterday, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, forever, right? This theme that he was going to keep white and black people separated legally and functionally in the state of Alabama. Now, George Wallace would reign as governor through all the, the famous civil rights things you know, the marches of, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the the moment when Joe Lewis was badly beaten on the Edmund Pettus Bridge when they were marching. All these moments that you see on television, the history of the civil rights movement. George Wallace was the governor, and yes, George Wallace was the governor who stood in the doorway of a school to try to prevent black folks from entering and attending school. So, George Wallace, bad guy, right? <laughs> I mean, most people agree. Terrible human being. Did a lot of violence. Was responsible for some of the most uh, horrendous violence in the civil rights movement just by giving permission for it to happen. Not standing in its way and speaking in white supremacist language of hate. Interesting thing happened to George Wallace, though. In 1972, he was running for president. This is, I think, the second time he ran for president. And he was sort of a spoiler candidate. He would split the vote from the other candidates. And obviously, those who voted for him were often racially motivated. But in 1972, he ran and he was actually shot. Shot and ended up in a wheelchair. This assassination attempt was uh, somewhat successful in the sense that it pulled him out of that presidential campaign and took him out of politics for a few years. Now, before I move on with the story, remember, we're in the middle of our Change Your Mind series, in the middle of the Lenten season, where we talk about repentance and what it is to turn away from sin and to change our mind, to have our mind renewed, as we learn in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, by the mercy of God, to offer our whole being as living sacrifices, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to know God's good and perfect will. And so as we march through the Lenten season, we're hearing stories of those who've changed their minds and how they changed their minds and why they changed their minds. And this is an excellent example here. You see, most people know the story of George Wallace that ends there. He was shot and he died uh, infamous uh, later on in life. But you know, he lived another 25 plus years after this shooting. What a lot of people don't talk about is that last phase of his life. See, something interesting happened in the hospital. There was another person running for president in 1972. Uh, her name was Shirley Chisholm. Maybe you haven't heard of her, but she was an African-American congresswoman, very well known. And she was also running for president in the mix, the, the election that Richard Nixon would win in a landslide. But she was running for president with George Wallace and Richard Nixon and a bunch of other candidates in different primaries and things. Shirley Chisholm, this African-American congresswoman running for president, went and visited George Wallace in the hospital. And it wasn't so much that she said anything he did was okay or right, because she did not. And no doubt she did not believe that anything he did was okay or right. But she did something amazing in that moment. In visiting George Wallace in the hospital, she had radical compassion and radical forgiveness for someone who did not deserve it. 
She said, you know, we don't agree on a lot of things, but no one should be treated the way you were treated. She treated one of the most inhumane people in America in the most humane way. She was kind and generous to him. And that one little visit literally broke George Wallace. As the story goes, he sobbed uncontrollably. And over the next few years, he would come to recognize where he had gone very, very wrong. He would end up running for governor of Alabama again. And in the 80s, he would win and serve another term. And he would actually appoint the most African-American members of the Alabama government since Reconstruction, including members of his own cabinet. Now, this doesn't you know, wash away all the sin of George Wallace. It doesn't make him a hero. In fact, the hero of this story is Shirley Chisholm. Because having no reason whatsoever to forgive this man, to go and show compassion to someone who's only tried to do violence to her people, she went ahead and did it anyway. By the gift of God, she had softness of heart. And because of that, she changed his mind. The last part of his life, it was a confused mix of things. He's a, he's a man like any man or woman. He struggled with his demons. He wasn't perfect at all. But on the issue of race, he tried to make amends. He apologized. And even the great John Lewis, who was beaten almost to death when George Wallace was governor in Alabama, he forgave George Wallace too. And to be fair, George Wallace asked for forgiveness. He went and pursued it in African-American churches and communities. So how did he come to change his mind? You know, when we think about repentance and changing your mind, we've talked a lot about experience, about reading scriptures and knowing what they say. But I'll tell you what, there is only one perfect way, one surefire way to have your mind changed, to be transformed, to look more like Jesus. And it is very simply this, the single greatest act that anyone can do to bring about healing and renewal of our minds is radical, unabashed, unearned compassion and forgiveness. And in the great words of Susie Eddie Izzard, that rather reminds me of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's true. You see, what Shirley, Shirley Chisholm was to George Wallace in 1972 is that she was Jesus to George Wallace. And she reminded him that forgiveness and compassion are available to anyone who wants to turn from the harm they've done to others. And we've all done harm to people, haven't we? We've all hurt people. We've hurt ourselves, even. So we all have an opportunity to turn to change our mind, to look more like Jesus, to look more like Shirley Chisholm. As I think about this, <clears throat> it's just a, a reality. If you can't admit it as a Euro-American person, as a white person, if you can't admit that there's an element of racism in your heart, you're not being honest with yourself. We all have it. We've been programmed to think that way. Even if your parents raised you not to think that way, the society, the waters in which we swim are waters that are tainted by white supremacy. It's just a fact. People can push back against it all day long and say that that's woke. That's just not fair. 
Now, woke is used as a pejorative. In the best meaning of the word woke, what we mean is awakened. And I hope that we are awakened to our white supremacist sin, to our racist sin. Don't turn off the video yet. <laughs> Wait just a minute, okay? Because I'm not calling us all racist. I'm just saying that we're all tainted by racism. It's just a part of the world in which we've been raised. And if you haven't heard an uncle or a grandparent or a parent say the N-word, then I'm shocked. Because I've heard it from people I never would have expected to hear it from. Somewhere deep down inside of us, we've been taught that the other is dangerous and evil and even inferior to us. And whether we believe that in the front of our mind or not, it is embedded in the core of who we are. And we have to work hard to change our minds. So we get a great example here from George Wallace and Shirley Chisholm. What we see is that that radical, unearned compassion and forgiveness transforms this man of hate into a man who genuinely wants to do the right thing. Now, history will judge George Wallace and God will judge George Wallace. But I think it's important to see that he did have a change of mind and a change of heart, as far as we can tell. And it came from someone looking like Jesus. Think about this. Christ died for all so that those who believe in him might no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them. That's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And it goes on to say that we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. You see, it's not so much that we as Christians are special because we get to go to heaven. That's not really the point Paul's making. The point Paul is making in this letter is that we are called to follow Christ and believe in Christ so that we can be ambassadors of Christ, like Shirley Chisholm going to the hospital of someone she had every right to hate, every right to despise. Like Shirley Chisholm, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, to forgive when we don't want to forgive, to have compassion when it's hard to have compassion, to love when we really just want to hate, to forgive when we really want to seek vengeance. And when we look like Christ, when we literally are Christ to other people, that's when change of mind comes. So in this climate, it's easy to get frustrated, right? There's a lot of evil out there, guys. A lot of evil. And I'm going to tell you, it's not wokeism. That's not what's threatening the very fabric of society. The evil is out there, and it's lurking in the shadows of people who look like you and me. If you're a white person watching this, they look like us. They talk like us. They act like they're for us, just like George Wallace, who was looking out for the poor and the working man in Alabama in the 1960s. And yet underneath that was this pernicious lie that some people were better than others and that some people deserved more than others. And we have those same kinds of people lurking around, prancing around in governorships, in the seat of mayoral roles in cities across the nation, even getting ready to run for president of the United States. And what we have to do is say, that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And so my answer to you is no, I will not support you. I'm not trying to be political here, but you need to know that our temptation is to hate. Like that's always our posture because hate comes from fear. 
we're afraid of something. We're afraid of being hurt or we're afraid of having something taken from us. And there are those in power who would prey on that fear. And we learn from George Wallace's story. He tried to run on the issues in 1958. No one was listening. But he even said himself that once he started running on hate, people stood up and they voted for him. You see, hate gets us out to the polling places. Hate gets us out into the streets. Hate gets things done. But it gets things done not for Christ, but for the world. We are ambassadors of Christ. Instead of cynically leading people in the way of hate to achieve power, let's walk in the way of Shirley Chisholm or in the way of Jesus Christ. Visit our enemy. Forgive them for what they've done and love them unconditionally, even when they don't deserve it. And only through that radical compassion and radical forgiveness and radical love do we have any hope of them ever changing their minds. Amen? Amen.